Well, welcome. I think we have more in the balcony than downstairs. <laughs> and luckily, we can contain it. Yay, steel columns. Anyway, actually, the columns weren't made to designed to hold up the balcony. Do you know what they were made to hold up? Everything that's above it. <laughs> it's carrying the weight of the tower and the whole thing. And as the structural engineer we hired years ago said, the guys who built this place knew what they were doing. And, uh, and they didn't have CAD, CAM, uh, what else do they use for design? They, but they knew how to build. Well, good morning. It's, um, it's nice to see you all. We have a lot of, of Lois's family here visiting for the weekend, which is always fun. Um, I'm not saying this just because Lois is sitting here and they're sitting here, but she comes from a great family. And I will say this, though. I think a huge part of that is because their mom, Lois's mom and her siblings, was a woman of prayer. If you're a mama, this isn't Mother's Day, but if you're a mama, keep praying. God hears the praise of mamas. He doesn't like dads, but he sure likes mamas. I'm unbiblical there. It is Memorial Day weekend, and I reflect on it. I never served in the military. Pastor Stan did. How many, this isn't Veterans Day. I, I do understand the difference between the two. I'll explain that, do my disclaimers in a bit. But how many of you served in the military? I don't think anybody's here is currently in the military. One, two, three, four, five. Nobody upstairs. Um, when, you, when someone serves in the military, it writes something in their minds and hearts that nothing else can. It's that different. Um, miss some more? I thought Jeff's coaching me. I miss him. Okay. So uh, my dad served in two wars. He served in World War II first, did not go overseas. His group was training for the invasion of Japan. He was out at Monterey Beach, California, and he was uh, an officer training LSVs. Anyone know what LSV stands for? Land Sea Vehicle, and you've seen pictures of them from D-Day. They're a tracked vehicle with a gate that opens in the front, and they're loaded with guys, and it drops as soon as the tracks hit the ground, and out they go. And um, if those boys had seen footage of D-Day, they would have been pretty shook up because if they had had to do a landing in Japan, it would have been similar, I'm sure. It was very brutal, but they, they, some gave their all. But my dad, as he's training, they're getting ready to ship out to Japan, and of course the war was ended by two nuclear blasts. As tragic as that is, it did end the war, and it saved us probably thousands of American lives, as well as Canadian, Australian, British were all over in the, in the Asian theater there at war. So I'm not a historian. I need my friend Dave Bugby here to give us more in-depth history, but he's out in Wyoming. But we need to remember, we need to remember that freedom never was, never is free, and we forget things. How many here are forgetful? How many remember the question I just asked? <laughs> and uh, what is it we're more apt to forget in life? Don't say anniversaries, guys. Don't say that. But we're forgetful about, most of the time, little things, right? We forget little things, like where did I put down the keys? If you see me uh, around here when I'm in my jeans and working around the place, most of the time I have a, pair, a set of keys clipped here uh, by my belt. They go to my armada because it's a remote thing, and as long as I have it on me, I can get in the thing and start it up and drive it and all that stuff. If I don't have it on me, I can't do anything. And, uh, but the other cars, you have to find the keys and actually get a key to do it. Some people say, we don't like this remote start stuff. And I went, yeah, I don't have a problem with it as long as it's clipped to my belt. 
because we can be forgetful. What helps you to remember? Do you have little, uh, we don't take, we're not going to do a survey, you're not going to write it out. But most people, because all humans are somewhat forgetful, you, you come up with little routines or little devices or things in your house that help you remember, right? So like when we bought our RV a year and a half ago, whatever it was, I wanted to remember how high it was to the top of the air conditioner. I wasn't used to driving big trucks. I drove school bus years and years ago, but I never really worried about clearance. And all of a sudden, I had to remember how high I needed to get through an overpass. So I put it on label maker right over the dash. The, the, the uh, brochure says I need 11.6. That's skimming it. I want 12 feet. I'd like more. I don't, you know. Have you ever seen anything when something didn't fit, a vehicle didn't fit? Some of you I know lived near Keene, New Hampshire. I did for a number of years. And there was a railway bridge as you're going from Marlboro into Keene. It was an old stone railway bridge. And the clearance was like 12.4. And there was always lots of glass there on both sides of the road. And my friend worked at a car dealership in Keene, and he said, I forget how many times they came in, and the car carrier didn't read the signs. And so they had convertibles when they got to the shop that they hadn't planned on, especially pickup trucks. They were sitting up nice and high, and they'd shave the roof right off them. And I said to him, oh, that's why there's always glass there. I've always seen all this glass. You know, they'll get it cleaned up, and then the next guy goes through not reading the sign. And, so if you lived back then, you probably should have known if you bought a car, you should have looked at the seams around the roof. But anyway, because they'd fix them and resell them in those days, and you'd have to declare it. Well, we need helps to remember things. Memorials help us remember. This is uh, in the Bible. The Bible talks plenty about either a memorial, which is a device to help us remember, or actually uses a form of the word to remember. Remember. Some of you that are familiar with your Bibles, you probably can think of verses when I say that. And, uh, or they'll use a phrase like, forget not, if you have the older translation. But it's the same flow. It's the same thought. We need reminders for only one reason. Right? It's because we forget. We forget. And some of us are easily distracted. I have a T-shirt that someone made me there was very cruel that knew I was easily distracted. And uh, I'd be talking to you, and I'd glance, oh, look, turkeys. There aren't any actually there today, but that's what I do. And that's okay. I, I, I'm, I'm easily distracted. And you would think, well, then I don't want to ride with you in the car. But I will tell you that my radar is working all the time. And sometimes that doesn't make us bad drivers. I have another friend in this room that sees things I don't see, and he's a much better hunter than I am. He sees stuff. His radar works. We need reminders to help us keep focused, keep keep on track. That's why I have notes in PowerPoint. Keep on track. I got a couple passages I'll share that are reminder passages. Again, if you're familiar with your Bible, you've read these before, and they won't be startling. And we're going to have a slideshow in a few minutes, and I'll explain that. It is a veteran's graves here in Shiloh Cemetery down in the woods. Some of you don't know we have a cemetery, oh, about 500 yards, 600 yards down in the woods. And a uh, special place, I have family members there. I have family members right out front here, too, and some of you do as well. But Joshua, you know the story of Joshua, right? Joshua, uh, Moses has led the people out of Egypt. He had two of his leaders that understood God's plan, and they'd sent out spies, and Joshua, and that wonderful name, Caleb, 
Caleb is here with us today. He's running. He's in the sound booth. You know that? The guy is really old. Anyway, they went out through the land, came back. Good report. We can take it. The other 10 went, nah, these guys are big, strong, and powerful. Can't do it. The Lord said, it's unbelief. It's your problem. The sin of unbelief. You're going to wander 40 years in the desert. Not cool. So Joshua lives through all that. Now he's an older man, and God's given him the assignment after Moses to take the people across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And God's going to give it to them. But God gives it to them, if you know the story, by how? How does God give them the land? Through battle. They fight for it. God gives it to them, but they fight for it. It's an, inter it's an interesting picture of how God works, and they're great. there's a lot of spiritual parallels there. So here's the text from Joshua as they're going to go into the land. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men, summarizing it, each of the tribe, tell them to take up the 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you're going. So they're going to pick up stones from the Jordan River. They had a miraculous crossing. They're going to carry them over onto the western side, I think. So Joshua called together the 12 men, Go over before the ark of the Lord, you in the, in the middle of the Jordan, each of you to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of Israelites, to serve as a sign. This is a reminder to you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the, when it crossed, the waters of the Jordan were cut off these stones were to be a what? A memorial to the people of Israel forever. Well, the stones probably are there, but they've fallen down. Um, something. And they'd go on to say, when your grandchildren see this pile of rocks, they are to ask, what, what's the meaning of the pile of rocks? Hey, this is where God created a, an amazing miracle. We crossed over on dry land reminiscent of crossing through the Red Sea. Our God fights for us. Our God, you know, it was supposed to be a trigger to remind them of who God is. Let's go back a little further in biblical history in Genesis 9. I want you to think a minute before I bring up the slide. What's happening in this part of Genesis that would to have to do with remembering? What in Genesis would give you something to help you remember? These are God's words. I will remember my covenant between you, me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. Rainbows. It's a reminder. I know certain groups have stolen that and using that as a symbol for their behavior and activities. But this is biblical understanding of the rainbow. It's, it's one of God's symbols for us. God is not going to destroy the earth with another flood. However, keep reading your Bible. Will he destroy the earth? Yes, he will. Only this time by how? It's going to be fire this time. I think the flood's awful. I think the fire will be worse. The people of Noah's time had rejected God. Now, you're right. They didn't have the Bible as we have it, but they had had verbal stories passed on from their ancestors of the creation story, of who God was, what he was doing. And as 
much later in time, when Paul is writing the letter to the Romans, he's saying, the creation, the evidence all around us declares there's a supernatural being. There is a God. You have no excuse to not believe in a God. And then this becomes the reminder. You see the rainbow, it's a reminder. I like that. I think of it when I see it. This is God's sign. A covenant is a promise sign. It's like a contract, only when God says that it's even stronger than that. It's, it's a very important thing. Ecclesiastes has some interesting verses. We believe uh, Solomon wrote this, and most, and most of this we think his head is still screwed on, right? He gets messed up. Solomon doesn't end well. But he was, he was wise at the beginning, God-given wisdom, and he, he wrote some good things then. Remember your Creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach, when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. How many are there? Raise your hand. <laughs> no, I'm not there yet. I don't want to be there. But uh, visiting friends and families when someone has had a prolonged illness, I think one of the cruelest illnesses on the planet today is Alzheimer's or advanced dementia because the family member loses the memory of their own family. They don't know who they are. And uh, that's a very challenging time for that family to take care of their loved one through that. But I'm still finding pleasure as old as I am. I have a good time. But here's the, the command. This is in what we call in writing imperative, a command voice. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring of the wheel, of the wheel broken at the well. In other words, for you're all broken down and decrepit, keep your focus on God. Figure it out. So when we forget who God is, and we in this room, as I look around, most of us shouldn't have a hard time remembering we serve a living, loving God. I don't know you who are watching, but if you don't know who this God is, you want to know. You want to know Him personally. You want to get very close to Him, and you can. That's why Jesus came. When we forget who we are, it's very important that we know who we are. That's why Pastor Stan... Every Bible teaching pastor says, get in the Word. Get in your Bible. If the Bible makes it clear not only who God is, but who we are, what our needs are, because we're self-deceptive. We don't think we're as bad as we are. We don't think God cares. We, don't, we, you know, we look around, I'm not as bad as that person, so what difference does it make? It all makes a difference. And how we were reconciled. How is it that any of us can spend eternity with a Creator God who is absolutely pure and holy. There's only one reason. There's only one way. And His name is Jesus. A pastor Stan was covering last week. The cross was our only hope. There was no other way. Our purpose for being here. I had a chance to uh, address the Lisbon Falls Christian Academy older kids last week. And that was very real in my heart as I talked to them. I said, you each have a purpose. You were designed by God, for God. You're not an accident. You're not a product of so-called evolution. That's, none of that is true. You were designed by God, for God. And it's true for all of us here. We are designed by God, for, heart, for God, to give Him glory. The church fathers, praise God, figured that out. What's the purpose of man? To give God glory and enjoy Him forever. That's a good deal. Enjoy Him forever. If you don't have this list, one, two, three, four, then point number five becomes what Solomon would write about because he lost all that. He forgot all that.
course, he didn't know about Christ, but he knew about the living God, Yahweh, and he forgot about that. Then all is meaningless. So we need reminders. Remember your Creator. I will remember my covenant between me and you. God doesn't forget. And yet he does. When he removes our sins from us through the work of the cross, through the work of Jesus, not magic, it's because Jesus took them on himself, he doesn't remember our sins against us, which is amazing because most of us remember others' sins against us. Oh, they hurt my feelings. And then we never forget that and we go on forever and ever until we don't know why they hurt your feelings hundreds of years later, if you have a pulse. So we have a new covenant. We just saw the rainbow covenant, the new covenant. And every time we have communion here in our little church, we bring up the slides that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And he says, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is for you. The Jesus' blood way overshadows, way overpowers all previous covenants. God sees that as the final covenant, the great work thing. Okay, the audience is cheering by throwing flip-flops. It's a really good sign here. We don't need two. We got it the first time. Yeah, well, some of you didn't catch it, so we needed a, a repeat. Jesus offers forgiveness. Isn't that wonderful? If you have responded to God's love through Jesus Christ, you sit here forgiven. If you're watching, if you've responded to God's love through Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. If you haven't responded, please respond today. Make this Memorial Day something you remember when you turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Freedom, not anarchy-styled freedom. Some people think freedom is no boundaries. I do what I want when I want. My, my brother Reg and his wife Jan sent me a t-shirt for my birthday, and on the back it says, I'm an old biker. I do what I want, when I want, where I want to. But wait a sec, I gotta check with my wife. <laughs> I don't know why they sent me that, but anyway. The freedom is being able to do what is the right thing at the right time, and that's how God works. So you and I can speak or behave, do the right thing at the right time. And of course, it's all offered through Christ's huge, tremendous, unconditional love. We need to remember those who sacrificed for our freedom. Um, in the past, uh, PBS has put on a great Memorial Day program. I don't know if they're airing it tonight or tomorrow night or when it happens. Anyone know? It's, it's, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of weird stuff on PBS. I'm not promoting them as a network. But their uh, program has, in, for Memorial Day has been, in my memory, I've seen several of them, top-notch, well done, and very patriotic and rightly done. So we remember those who died for us, but we remember him who sacrificed for our freedom. So uh, I'm going to have some of the musicians come up and play some background music for the slideshow, if they'd be willing to do that now. Um, my disclaimer before we play it, these are mostly military markers, not all of them, because some people haven't got their military markers yet down there. In the Shiloh Cemetery, they are all of veterans, none of them died in action, in combat. Uh, my dad, when he got his officer's commission in World War II, a friend of his came and was at that commissioning and shook his hand. And that was Percy Carpenter, if I remember correctly. He was also in the armored division with my dad. He went to Europe. My dad was sent to the West Coast to train for Japan. He was killed. He was a tank gunner, and he was killed. And I, I think his remains are over there. Do you remember Wallace? 
I think they're, I think they're over there in Europe. So some, they all signed up knowing that could happen. Uh, our friend, many of you remember well, Jack Tupper, flew more than their required bombing missions over Europe from England, over 32 successful bombing missions in a B-24 Liberator, not a B-17. Figure out what they are. This is critical for your salvation. No, it isn't, but it's good to know the difference because Jack stressed it to me. And they came back thinking, he came back literally thinking every time they took off, that was their last flight because he watched others get shot down around him. And he came really close. He's sitting in the fuselage. The flak starts coming up. The officer said two stations. He was in the underbelly gunny, gunner. As he stepped off his little jump seat, a piece of shrapnel, he said, went right through the fuselage, and that's right where my head would have been. He said, I was one second away from eternity. And then he got in the underbelly bubble and fired his machine gun, and there's a lot of stories with that too, but came home. It was, it was a tough thing. We need to remember those who did that. And were, even if these didn't die there, they were willing to do that. So we will start that. Thank you. <clears throat> well, I know for many of you, some, those names are somewhat meaningless. Um, my dad's there, so that means a lot to me. I think of people down in this cemetery down front who also served. The, these are people I knew. Ralph Pass, my uncle Walter Parker, Jackson Tupper. They served not knowing they'd come home, but they served out of love for our family and country and the God they served. And praise God, we have this freedom today. We, not just pastors, we 
can share the gospel. We may get a little persecution. It may get worse. But we still are to share Jesus Christ with a very needy, dying world. That freedom is, as others have said, very precious. And of course, the central freedom is in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, if you aren't, haven't, if you didn't know this, our sermons are on Facebook, the Shiloh Chapel Facebook page. Pastor Stan talked from the Gospel of John about the crucifixion and Christ's sacrifice for us last week. If you have not seen that, I would urge you to uh, look it up and take a few minutes and process it. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, read the rest of it with me, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Who's part of the many? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No greater love than that of Jesus Christ, the ultimate sacrifice. They often use this verse for first responders and military people after they've given their lives in line of duty, and rightly so. The problem is, as I've witnessed this being used in line of duty deaths, they sometimes totally miss talking about the one whom this is written about, Jesus Christ. He is the great Redeemer. He laid down his life of his own free will. So remember these three things. God loves you. One of the greatest lies that Satan has come up with is, one, part A, there is no God, or part B, if there is a God, he'll send you to hell anyway. He doesn't really love you. Both horrible, horrible, horrible lies. God really loves you. And when in your mind you go, but Pastor Ron, you don't know about my life. You don't know what I struggle with. You don't know this. You don't know that. No, but God does. And He loves you with an unstoppable, unchanging love. You can do nothing to stop that love. You really can't. But for the second part, Jesus died for you. That, you have to have a response to that. You can't just answer with a so what because it's a little bigger than that. It's knowing who Jesus was, what He did, and then making it yours, internal. Freedom was or is never free. Somebody has paid a price. Jesus paid it in full for my salvation and for yours. And, of course, the military people that went overseas or going back to even the battles here in our, our own country, they did it not knowing what would happen. As many of you know, Lois and I were in Williamsburg in the middle of April and reading and studying history. And you hear names like George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and these men. But they were at incredible risk to do what they did. They are, if they had been captured after the war started, they would have died a traitor's death against the King of England. But they, they had a vision. They had a big vision. They weren't all wonderful Christian people. But many of them were what history calls deists. They did believe in a creator God. And they knew there was something bigger than just mankind's slave to one another. They, they had a vision that I believe was God-given, even though all the men, people say, well, they weren't all godly men. No, they weren't. Neither you or I. It's only the work of grace in our hearts that changes us. Freedom was never free. They paid a sacrifice. Jesus paid a sacrifice. We need to respond to that. Amen? We're going to close with a song, which is based from the Old Testament. It's a blessing or a benediction. And this is what God said, Moses, or Aaron, was to speak over the children of Israel after they'd finished doing one of their ritual routines like sacrifice. 
They were to speak God's blessing over them. And I, we've, we've sung this song many times, especially in uh, communion. But it's still absolutely appropriate because God shed his grace on thee. God bless America. It's God's blessing that makes the difference. This is about his blessing. So we're going to sing this together. Stand with us, please. I'm on. Right key, G. The Lord dishes out the total opposite. And yet too often, um, we get fooled. We think, boy, if I only had this, if I only could do this, I'd be so happy. And you might get a moment of it. That, that's true. But real lasting peace, Jesus, only comes from having you and knowing you. Maybe there's someone in the sound of my voice through Facebook or, or the YouTube page or whatever, they don't have that peace. And they know they don't. But they want that peace. And you're speaking to their hearts right now. Just pray, Jesus, I need your peace. I know I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer you but my heart. Forgive me for my sin. You paid the penalty on the cross. You died for me. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Now help me to get to know you better as my Lord and Savior. If you pray that prayer, let me, let Pastor Stan, let somebody know. We want to encourage you in that. We want to help you in that. We go in your peace. Do we deserve it? Did we earn it? No. It is a gift of grace from your wonderful, wonderful hand. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for us. Bless our troops today, the ones that are both at home and overseas in harm's way, and there's plenty of harm out there. We know that. The world is not at peace. We literally, uh, I call it a banana peel step away from war all over the globe. But you're sovereign. We know that. We don't live in fear over that. You are our refuge, as we sang earlier. You are our refuge, our fortress. We hide in thee, Jesus. Amen? We go in your peace. We go in your grace. Well, that will be all for this service. Hang around for just a moment as we go off air.